actions speak louder than ads. And that's, again, the reason why I haven't done above-the-line campaigns yet. We really want to lead with the products for now to really show what we are doing and that we have the best interest of our users at heart. And I do believe that makes the brand. Hello, and welcome to the FinTech Marketing Podcast, bringing you insights and ideas from the world's leading financial service marketers. I'm your host, Eric Fulweiler, Chief Marketing Officer of 11FS. I'm on a mission to learn how the world's hottest FinTech startups and most innovative financial service brands drive growth through modern day marketing. Today's guest is Sarah Fries, Head of Global Product Marketing at Uber Money, joining us all the way from San Francisco. First of all, Sarah, Did I get your name right? I feel like I might have gotten that wrong. Well, if you want to pronounce it the German way, it would be Sarah Friese, but I go with Sarah Friese or Friese, whatever people make up. Friese. Okay. I, as someone who has a uh, historically German last name, I should have known that, but... um, but let's carry on. Next so, podcast. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, Dankeschön for joining us. How are you doing today out in San Francisco? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm really looking forward to to hearing all about Uber Money, and I'm sure that our, uh, our audience is as well. So let's get straight into it. First question is, what is your favorite brand in financial services, and it can't be your own, and why? I like the value proposition of Revolut. So basically, banking without borders. I should actually patent that. (laughs) They are not just copying a challenger bank like Monzo. They put their own spin on it and define their unique design target. And that's probably the millennial global traveler. And I think that's resonating well. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch them uh, through a marketing lens and just kind of how they've evolved because they came from a very different place than the likes of Monzo or some of the neo banks in the US because they did start with that, you know, foreign exchange card for travelers type yeah. of approach. And so that's I think what they're known for for particularly a lot of their early adopters and users, but they're also trying to transition the brand into more of a mainstream place as well. Exactly. Exactly, and that's super interesting because they have their unique selling point and know what they are going after which is also easier for the consumer to know, is this for me or not, right? Yep, exactly. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your background? How did you end up in San Francisco working for Uber Money? And it'd be great uh, just to kind of also give the overview uh, of of Uber Money. I'm sure people have seen the headlines, but maybe kind of where you're at right now and uh, where you are along that journey. Yeah, totally. So I started my career at Lufthansa, part of a three-year management trainee program where they finance a university, send you around the world for internships, and they advertise it saying, can you live out of a suitcase for three years when you're out of college? The answer is yes. So still one of my favorite brands. I feel like I grew up there. And then eventually I became an expat with Lufthansa also in New York City as uh, chief of staff and strategy, the Americas. So I learned a lot about Latin America during that time. And my first financial services experience I gained when I joined American Express in 2011, also in New York City. Great place. And I spent a lot of my time in consumer products and services. So building product management and marketing solutions for the global platinum and Centurion card products. And then I got the opportunity to join Uber pre-IPO and build out the product marketing function for financial services at Uber and develop a new category brand for Uber as well. And yeah, meanwhile, Uber IPO'd and we launched the Uber Money brand at Money 2020 in Vegas last October. 
And yeah, now I'm on your podcast. So Uber Money is really focused on solving for financial inclusion. So one third of the world population, adult population is unbanked today, but it even happens in our communities that right now, I actually learned that stat yesterday, one third of Americans don't have enough money to purchase essentials if they miss one paycheck. So people need access to financial, affordable financial services faster. And that's exactly what our mission is. So it'd be amazing to hear a little bit more about, you know, you joined before the product had rolled out and you've been there from the early days of figuring all of that out. So before we hear a little bit more about your philosophy and the current strategy, what was that like joining and having to work? I'm sure what was a very busy time up to this launch last October? Yeah, I, I mean, amazing. It felt a little bit like dog years because technically it's only been a little bit over a year, believe it or not, what we accomplished in this time. And it's an amazing place to work, I have to say. And it's amazingly inspiring to join a tech company and work so cross-functionally and also globally. We have five global product sites that we work with. Also part of my team is in Amsterdam to really solve for that and build this together. It takes a village. It takes a lot of people, but it's amazingly inspiring and has been one of the biggest growth opportunities for me that I've experienced so far. Amazing. So what does the marketing function look like at Uber Money? So your global product marketing, and what does the team look like around you? And I would imagine that's something that you're continually building out as the, as the product scales and the marketing needs to scale with it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a great question because product marketing is a function that a lot of companies are only discovering for themselves now. At Uber, how we are organized is the product marketing function technically belongs to the marketing mothership of Uber. However, we sit with the physical product sites. So again, we have five global product sites and um, my team is also... Um, uh, organized globally and sits with the relevant product teams um, that are in global locations. And we then basically are really with product marketing embedded from the start because adoption cannot be an afterthought. You have to build the product together with your product team. And this is how we, how we do it. So you really are there from ideation over design all the way through to then thinking about the launch and the growth strategies and experimentation, and then playbooking it for the entire world. Amazing. So it's been interesting, you know, as we've been doing these recordings for season one of the FinTech Marketing Podcast, you know, I feel really lucky because I'm able to talk to a lot of really the world's leading FinTech and financial service marketers. And I benefit from kind of sitting at the center and being able to triangulate what some of the trends are and picking up on what multiple people say. And I think this um, <clears throat> concept and strategy of, product marketing, whether that's you have a centralized marketing team that is very embedded and connected with product like it is at Monzo, talking to Tristan in, mm -hmm. in episode one, or like you were saying, where you actually have product marketing teams that are embedded with the product teams, which is also something that um, we were talking to TransferWise, that's the way that they're set up as well. But I think fundamentally, for me at least, it's a reflection of the best marketing needs to reflect and be tightly integrated with the business. It definitely can't be something that sits outside of it. And so I think particularly with um, startups or technology companies, you're seeing that more and more. And I would imagine that that's a trend that becomes more mainstream in incumbent organizations and non-tech businesses as well. So 
you basically have to look at Uber money in comparison to Monzo. So in that sense, I, as a marketer, sit on top of that brand too and work closely with the head of Uber money, Peter Hazelhurst. And for him, I'm the point of contact for everything marketing. We just happen to belong to the Uber mothership. And in that sense, within my team, we organize ourselves by product functions. And on my level, we pull it together. Cool. And how has it been? So you launched in October, the Mm -hmm. first six months. How's it been received by the market from what you're seeing? How has your kind of like early post-launch strategy gone? What's the first six months uh, been like for you? Yeah. So the interesting part about us is we already have the user or at least for our first iteration, we are solving for the customers that are already using our marketplace, both riders, eaters, drivers, couriers, you name it, freight people, restaurant owners. And with that, we already touch on people all around the world, across 700 cities, across 60-something countries. So we haven't done an above-the-line marketing strategy. So the most we have done so far, because we are a young brand, we have done our appearance with Peter Hazelhurst at Money 2020 in October, developed a brand video and have a website presence, which is also interesting for Uber. And aside from that, the only product that really has um, paid media is um, our uh, relaunched Uber credit card that is in the market, even though right now you will not find it because I pulled it as part of COVID. But um Other than that, we have been so far focused on our internal channels, in particular in-app placements and everything surrounding that. So our channel strategy is at the very most PR, a little bit of paid media, and otherwise really focusing on the direct channels that we already own with our customers. And is that something that you see evolving over time, or is it going to be more staying focused on that and those channels and that audience, or is it something that you'll kind of figure out in stages as you go along? No, it will definitely evolve over time because ultimately we really, as I said before, there are one third of the world population that is unbanked. They can't even earn on Uber or anywhere in the gig economy today. So this is definitely something, an audience we want to solve for as well. And in order to reach those, we definitely, I would assume, will be more present in the future. Yeah, makes sense. So let's hear a little bit more about your philosophy on marketing. So, you know, experience at Lufthansa, Amex, and now at Uber, what's the high level strategy or framework for marketing and how you think about what matters most and how you're bringing that to Uber money? So for me, it's mostly three main things that are important. The number one is focus on the user and all else follows. You need to know who you are designing for. You need to understand where the user is coming from and what their needs and wants are. And that is something that never stands still. You need to always reiterate, rethink it, continue your design thinking because this is COVID-19 is actually an interesting example of that one. You can't stand still. You need to understand what is top of mind for your users right now and respond to that as quickly as possible. The other one is actions speak louder than ads. And that's, again, the reason why I haven't done above-the-line campaigns yet. We really want to lead with the products for now to really show what we are doing and that we have the best interest of our users at heart. And I do believe that makes the brand. Again, COVID is an example of making sure to focus on what matters most right now. And then lastly, I think differentiation is key. So 
knowing your unique selling point. What are you solving for? What is your niche in this? Which is why I mentioned Revolut at the beginning, because they found their spin on it. And I think this is critical because that way you can then build on it and have a sustainable business model that works because you are positioned very well in the marketplace for this. So basically for us at Uber Money, this is obviously, we already know our customer, which is powerful, at least for our first wave. We have these customers globally. They are using our global marketplace on different sides of the business. So we understand them. So it's easier to solve for them. And you technically also save on acquisition costs like other banks. And so I'm curious how much, so focus on the user and all else mm -hmm. follows. I totally agree with that. And I love that sentiment. And it's amazing. I think sometimes the most uh, important things are the ones that sound the most obvious, not in a negative way, but there's a certain simplicity and clarity to that, that I think some people can kind of lose when they get into the day-to-day -day of actually making decisions. So always keeping that front and center, I think is great advice for, for any marketer or really any business leader. Um, I'm curious on that front. So obviously Uber money, part of Uber, and how do you interact or your teams interact with the wider Uber organization and those teams who are really driving the user adoption and like the core product of the business overall separate from Uber money? Interesting question. So we do obviously interact very closely because I basically tap into, for now, into the earners and customers of our Uber products to then communicate to those. So we obviously make sure that we have a similar narrative, that it fits into the overarching narrative for our brand as well, right? And then I have my own target group within that as I obviously want to make sure that I, I have multiple products both on the, on the consumer and on the earner side. And I obviously have certain segments that I focus on and certain markets that I focus on. But beyond that, we do our own user research, our own focus groups to really pressure test the product and then really hackathon it out to make it right. So we will not just rely on what we already know about the user. Uber is very much focused on understanding the user, particularly because we are global. We really need to focus on understanding the user with every new product we put out and every new market we focus on. So what's what's really working well for you at Uber Money now over the last year and so that you've been there, but particularly since the product has launched and you've had marketing uh, active, yeah. what's been what's been going well that maybe people can learn from listening to you? Being what I like to call global, so developing a platform, a global platform strategy, but then living it locally, understanding really in a market how people like to manage their money in that respective market. And for example, in Brazil, people use boletos to pay their bills. So if you don't realize how the importance of that, then you don't create a product that they will adopt. Or there are also other interesting models, like how do people manage money within a household or even within a community? And those are learnings that I think are super important. And just because you think a country is the same as yours, it's not. So you always need to really, you can have a global platform strategy, but you need to adjust it locally. Yep, for sure. And it's something that's come up with uh, a few of the other global brands that we've talked to on this podcast that I think 
you know, this isn't a new problem for marketing. I think, um, you know, there's uh, many different examples of companies that have done it well and not done it well. And I think sometimes you see companies kind of vacillate between being very centralized and global and how they market and shifting all the way to being completely local. But I like that term of global because at the end of the day, you need both. You need the context and understanding of the local user or audience and market, but then you also need the scale and consistency that a global approach can take. So it really is about how you do both of those together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what about on the other side? I'm always curious to uh, hear people talk about what hasn't worked and what they've learned from things that haven't gone as expected or the way they wanted them to. Yeah, we learn every day. And so again, at Uber, the difference to other challenger banks is we have an audience. So I don't launch to everyone from day one, because that would be a mistake, because then I'm not taking advantage of the learning opportunity. So luckily at Uber, we have a very systematic go-to-market approach, which is we start with user research, followed by a focus group, and then we launch our R0 to maybe 100 users, believe it or not, and we handhold them through the onboarding and engagement process, do this together. So if we launch something in Brazil, we will do it with them. And then we go home, take those learnings, hackathon it out, try to make the product better, and fix some of these issues. Then we go to 1%. Sounds tiny, but at Uber, it's not. (laughs) And then you do growth experimentation, where you also learn a lot about marketing, how you message, how you do it, um, and take it step by step that way. And regardless, we learn a lot. For example, I mean, one that might sound funny, but you don't want to launch a financial product that you have to ship during Carnival in Brazil. It's just not going to go well. Other learnings are that the idea of safety is a different one in a market like Brazil, where you have to just think about how you position this to make people feel comfortable. If you now want to launch a product that we actually launched yesterday, where people get access to their earnings in real time after every delivery and trip, which is amazing. But at the same time, there's also a safety component to it. So you want to make sure that you have like all the right tools in place to make your customers feel comfortable and safe. I want to pick up on something that you said. So you mentioned that you, as you kind of do, you know, my words, not yours, but the alpha or the beta launch in certain markets, you're then bringing it back to the product team and doing a hackathon. Is that literally a hackathon on the product and how you need to evolve it? Or what does that look like? It can be. It depends, right? Um, It can just be on the marketing side that we have to change positioning. That's an easier fix. Or it can be that we realize, you know what, we need to revise the product. We cannot roll out further before we fix this, before we add a component to it. And we, we really work hand in hand with the product team. It's not us going back to the product. It's actually us together realizing it and making the changes as needed. Yeah. And I, again, I just, I think that's so important. Um, and I think for people who are listening that are already in organizations where there is product marketing or where marketing and product work very closely together, it's going to sound so obvious, but I think there's a lot of people that don't and that flow of information, ideas and data, and just being able to have that iterative approach where if marketing is the voice of the customer, and product is is building the product, like those two things need to be working incredibly closely together. Absolutely, because otherwise adoption is an afterthought and the traditional marketing does not work, particularly for a company that moves so quickly, like a company like Uber or Uber Money. Um, and I also believe COVID, again, 
is an interesting example of how quickly you might have to change what you are doing and you need to do this together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that to the extent that you can, you know, we're recording this in early April, mm. uh, you know, we're on full remote working. Everybody's at home here in London. I know it's the same in, in San Francisco um, and different parts of the world are at different stages in terms of how they're dealing with this. Um, how are you, how does COVID affect the roadmap for the business of Uber money and your approach to marketing right now? Yeah. So uh, it's a really good question. And I think such an important question, because as I said earlier, one, one of the principles is actions speak louder than ads right now. So, um, step one that we took is, uh, and also whenever this will air, it might actually be a different answer, let's be clear, because we all still don't really know what is the long-term recovery here. But what we have done is immediately, number one, developed a rapid response plan by assessing all campaigns and either pausing or adjusting them to the new environment. So for me, that also means certain paid media um, campaigns that we have on the consumer side, they are just not relevant right now and is not what we should be focusing on or drawing attention to. Number two is we started an ideation process of what we can do to address the current needs of our earners, customers, and also the communities. And then thirdly, build that new roadmap to focus on those products and features that are top of mind for our users right now and where we can relieve a little bit. And yeah, there are a lot of things that are happening and also a lot on the Uber level that I will leave up to a public spokesperson from Uber to talk about, but that make me really proud on how we position ourselves. But for ourselves, what we have done yesterday, we launched a new financial product in Brazil that was a really strong need to get our couriers and our drivers paid faster immediately after they complete a trip or a delivery. And that makes a huge impact for that market. Yeah, I'm curious on that front. How much do you consciously think about because while it is Uber money and it's a separate brand that you're responsible for, of course, it's so closely tethered to Uber uh, and the mother brand overall. How much do you think about that and paying attention to kind of how the brand's perception of Uber has changed over time? Because, you know, obviously the past is different than I think the present and future will be. And like you said, I think uh, it seems the company has really been doing a lot during this period of COVID to try to, to try to do the right thing. And, and at least for me, I do see the perception of the brand starting to shift. How much do you consciously think about that? Or do you just focus on the Uber money brands and making sure that people understand what that stands for? Oh, we are very closely knit and obviously have an overarching strategy and um, don't, don't act in silos. Again, I will leave it up to a spokesperson to talk about what we do on the brand, on the master brand level, but um, there is nothing that I do that isn't absolutely aligned with what we do at Uber as a master brand. And um, I'm extremely proud of the mission of Uber Money. So really to, to solve for people out there that are unbanked or underbanked and that need more than ever actually right now access to affordable financial services faster. And this is what we are focusing on. And this is um, also something that Uber can own so well. We understand the gig economy. You could argue we created the gig economy and we can really solve for this new way of living and working. 
So, um, which started with, you can find work at a tap of a button. And now it's about, we want to make sure that you can also get access to your money and affordable financial services at Uber speed. That's great. So, so what else is on the roadmap? I mean, obviously COVID has thrown everybody's plans for a loop here and we're all, like you said earlier, having to reset and then reassess on even a week to week or day to day basis. But are there still things on the roadmap for Uber money that you're working towards, that you're excited about? What else can you tell us about the the future of your business and brand? With COVID, obviously, our roadmap has been drastically impacted. We really want to review all of our products, but ultimately what we are building is more than ever relevant. There are exciting products and features to come and exciting moments also for our brand to come that I can't wait to share. For now, I have to keep it a little bit at that level. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to get you back on a future season, so we'll have more to talk exactly. about. Exactly. Um, but that sounds great. I mean, obviously, super exciting times for you over there. And I know that the whole world is watching not just Uber and Uber money, but kind of how uh, you know a lot of tech businesses are approaching and getting into financial services. So um, I'm sure many exciting things to come. So um, before we close out, I'd love to hear a little bit about your sources of inspiration for the job that you do. Are there people you turn to, books that you can recommend, any resources out there that our audience can learn from? that you really find inspiring? So first and foremost, I love that question. I think inspiration is so important. When I lived in New York City, I would say it's New York City, just go outside. But otherwise, it's traveling is my best source of inspiration and to the level of really meeting with local people, understanding how they live, how brands show up in those markets. Those are things that I love and I feel so gifted that if there wasn't COVID right now, that we at Uber also really get to travel to those places to understand the user, the market, everything. And aside from that, I definitely also love podcasts. So one of my favorite podcasts, aside from this one, obviously, <laughs> is Never Stand Still with Dan Schulman, even though he actually hasn't published anything lately, but it's an amazing inspiration because ultimately it doesn't always have to be marketing focused in order to give you a lot of lessons on how to run a business, how to think about products and um, solutions and obstacles and turn them into opportunities. Otherwise, I, I love to, I, I think I go with every brand experience that I also as a consumer go through. Let's say I order something on Nike, I will pay attention to how they communicate with me, which is interesting. So this is how I really try to keep it sharp that I pay attention to those things. And then I look at challenger banks, obviously, as well, whenever I launch a product to see how are they thinking about this in this market. But then again, I do believe that our proposition is very unique as Uber Money. Yeah. And I think it's so important. You obviously need to look at what's going on inside your industry or your sector, your competitive set, but um, to go kind of like outside the box to other areas of business or just the world to get that injection of fresh perspective and fresh ideas. I think that's great. So last question for you, Sarah, who else do you think we should get on the show? Maybe a season two guest that you can recommend. So during this time, I think it would be really interesting to bring somebody on like Laura Bagger, the CMO of Financial Health Network, to talk a little bit about how you think about financial health in communities and what financial services companies could do. 
I think that'd be great. Yeah, we were actually talking about who else we could reach out to uh, who might have an interesting perspective on everything that's going on right now. Um, so that's a really good suggestion. Yeah. So that wraps up today's FinTech Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much to Sarah for joining me. Where can people find out more about you and Uber Money? So Uber Money, the best way to go right now is uber.com forward slash money. And there's also a brand video on there. Please play it with sound. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, IG, Facebook, you name it. But LinkedIn is probably the best source for this audience. <laughs> Amazing. And to everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about 11FS, head on over to 11FS.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the FinTech Marketing Podcast. And please do leave us a review. Really appreciate everybody that's tuning in for season one and would love your help in getting the word out there. So leave a review, share it with friends. And of course, let us know if you have suggestions for guests or ways that we could improve the show going forward. You can always find us at 11FS on Twitter or LinkedIn or email us and the podcast team directly, podcasts at 11fs.com. We'll have more episodes out for you very soon. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.